0: What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's Word and see what He has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hey, church family, this is Brad White, men's pastor here at New Vision. I'm excited to be with you today for our podcast. We're going to be in Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 25. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV. The heading says, The Last Supper. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to go sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city. A man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house as he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciple? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left and went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, the one who dips the bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him to have not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, truly, I say to you, I will not drink it again from the fruit of this vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So there's probably a thousand different directions that I could go with this scripture. There's just so much amazing stuff here. But after reading it several times, the thought that kept coming up was just an awe of God and how he will weave things together to write this bigger story. This is a text that I've read a ton of times before, but really for me this moment where I really understood it at a deeper level happened when I was introduced to a book called The Seven Feast of Israel written by a reformed Jew by the name of Zola Levitt. I'm going to pull from his book because I think it's going to help us to have a better understanding of what all is going on in these verses. So, God created these seven feasts to be held each year, and the children of Israel would celebrate these feasts on a specific date with specific instructions on how they should properly observe and follow each one of the feasts. Moses was the person who received the instructions while on Mount Sinai, and you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 23. Really, the big picture for us is just being reminded that Jesus was a Jewish man, so he would have followed each one of these feasts. The text that we just read is taking place when Jesus is celebrating the Passover. And then it also mentions the Feast of Unleavened Bread. These two feasts he would have celebrated on his last night on earth prior to his resurrection. So what we see here listed as the Last Supper, we also know it as Passover. Passover was a festival that happened at the beginning of the spring. In Leviticus 23, verse 5, it says this On the 14th day of the first month in the evening is the Lord's Passover. So, Passover, of course, is where the children of Israel were freed from slavery, and then the angel of death passed over them as they were able to walk out the freedom that God had for them. The details of Passover and how Passover was to be celebrated can be found in Exodus chapter 12 if you want to read more about that. What's really cool is God's calendar is a lunar calendar, so it's based on the phases of the moon rather than the earth's revolutions around the sun. Because of this, Passover always falls on a full moon, the first full moon of spring to be specific. So the Passover celebration, it's really all about salvation. On this day, the lamb's blood was spread over the children of Israel's homes to mark their home for safety from the angel of death so that it would pass over them. And for us, it's a reminder of the salvation that we have from sin, that Christ, his blood was poured out for us so that death would pass over us. So it's no coincidence that Jesus as the Lamb of God was sacrificed on Passover. On verse 12, it starts off and it says, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread is one of the seven feasts that the children of Israel were following. And so we see Jesus is following the Feast of Unleavened Bread in this verse. In Leviticus 23, Verse 6 It says, On the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. So, unleavened bread was a representation of a life without sin. Eating unleavened bread for seven days was a symbol of walking a holy walk and walking a walk that would honor the Lord. See, leaven represented sin all throughout the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul actually comments on the Feast of Unleavened Bread in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7-8. through He says this, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and of truth. I want to read you an excerpt from Zola's book talking about the Feast of Unleavened Bread because he describes it so well. He says this, In the New Testament, Jesus' body is the unleavened bread. Jesus is described as the bread of life, and he was born in Bethlehem, which in Hebrew means house of bread. When the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, God fed them with manna from heaven. And today, we as believers are fed by the bread of life. The very piece of bread that is used in this Jewish festival is a picture of our Lord it is unleavened bread that has stripes on it by his stripes we are healed and it's pierced they shall look upon him whom they have pierced and of course it is pure without any leaven his body was without sin the passover ceremony of breaking and burying and then resurrecting a piece of the bread specifically the middle piece of bread which represents the sun the second part of the trinity quite obviously represents the gospel in the midst Of this Jewish Passover celebration. God performed this exact ceremony with the burial of Jesus, our precious piece of unleavened bread, and more importantly, he performed it on the exact day of the feast. Once again, the required feast was fulfilled in a remarkable and unmistakable way. So, the passage that we read just a little bit ago is one that we often read when we celebrate communion together as a church family. So maybe the next time we hear this passage, it will give us a new appreciation for how incredible God is and how he has woven the feast that the Jewish people were following into the details of Jesus's life and death and resurrection. I want to leave you with a closing thought. You know, we have the benefit of knowing what the disciples did not. We know what Jesus was about to do on the cross and the deep significance of the words that he was saying to them. See, his thoughts and his ways are so much bigger than ours. It reminds me of Isaiah 55, nine, which says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, I like math because math, is pretty straightforward. 1 plus 1 always equals 2. So I thought it would be fun to try to put some numbers to understanding just how different God's thoughts are from our thoughts. If the heaven and the earth is kind of the separation that God gives, let's just have a little fun here. So the farthest star that has been found at this point from the Earth is a star named M-A-C-S-J-1149. And this star is 14 billion, with a B, light years away from the Earth. So hang with me, there's going to be a lot of numbers for a second. Light travels at 671 million miles per hour. That's a huge number, and that's crazy fast. So in a year, light travels 5,878,500,000 miles. So let's hypothetically say that you and I were able to board a space shuttle that could travel five miles in one second. Given that the speed of light is 186,282 miles per second, it would take approximately 37,200 years to travel just one light year so that's just one light year keep in mind this star that has been found right now is 14 billion light years away and as technology advances they're going to find another star that's even further away in just a matter of time and this is still way short of the distance between our thoughts and and God's thoughts. That is absolutely mind-blowing. So one day I believe that we'll have the whole picture of how God has woven together every bit of our story, every bit of his story, every bit of the hard times and the good times, and we'll see how all of that comes together. But for now, I think we just stand in awe. My hope is is that with just a little bit more clarity and a bit more perspective from Zola's book, it's helped us to understand just how incredible Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are and how they tie back to the Old Testament and how God has continued to fulfill the promises that he has made to the children of Israel and he's fulfilled the promises that he's made to you and I. We serve a God that so beautifully molds all things together with an intense purpose, and this God who is so much greater than we are chose to come down and to spend his life living amongst a people who would reject him to die a death that he didn't deserve so that one day you and I could have right standing with him by putting our faith and trust with him. How incredible is that? I hope today that you take a moment just to stand in awe of how big and how great our God is. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for this time that we've had to be in your word. We thank you for the truth of it, and we pray that we'd be impacted because of it. God, you are incredible. Today, I pray that my friends would be reminded of just how big, just how good, and just how purposeful you are. In your name we pray. Amen.